0: You are now tuned into, i Shave shaved my ass for this, a podcast about all things dating and desire from the perspective of those on the margins.
1: Here's your host, Natalia Lee Brown. What's up y'all? Did you miss me? It's another week, another episode. Thank you so much for coming back. And while I'm giving out gratitude, I just want to say thank you all for being with me for the last four weeks. I shaved my ass for this is officially one month old. And around here, we celebrate every win, big or small. And you may not know it, but the one month mark is a win for me. Okay, I am a creative who has made it a habit over the years to create things and for some reason I know the reason, but they never see the light of day. And so this talking space, this little podcast project that I have going on, for it to hold me accountable every week and to challenge me to come up with the best conversations I can find and really push myself to get a little bit better each time, it's been really humbling that people actually tune in I have been seeing little upticks in the subscribers and the listenership. And one by one, two by two, three by three, more people are finding out about the show. More people are coming back for the episodes. And if you're one of those people, which if you're listening to this, yes, you are. Thank you so much. It just means a lot to me. So on that note, I have something to admit. And it was bound to happen. Okay. This week, I kind of fucked up. I messed up with this interview a little bit. And I'm not going to tell you how, because (laughs) then you're going to be straining your ears to hear what's wrong with it. But with each mistake comes a lesson. And with each lesson comes newly acquired skills. And boy, did I learn a lot of skills this week. Our guest is a total peach and gave a fantastic interview. I really tried my best to do it justice. And the conversation that we had planned out originally kind of took a little bit of a turn. My guest today, Naomi Heather, was born with a craniofacial difference. She was born with a cleft lip and really underwent a lot of medical intervention to get her to the point where she's at now. But her experiences with that led us to the topic of pick So let's get into a little bit of story time. Each week, the purpose of story time is for me to be vulnerable and to put myself in the position of the interviewee or attempt to inhabit the world or scenario that my interviewee shares. And I'm gonna be really transparent right now. This week was hella hard. Like for the life of me, I couldn't think about a time where I was a pygmy. So before I go any farther, I wanna give a definition of what pygmies are for people listening who may not know. And for that, I went over to Urban Dictionary and they said a pick me is a woman who is willing to do anything for male approval. She will embarrass or throw other women under the bus to achieve this goal. So pause. First and foremost, a pick me can be any gender. It's more commonly used towards women. Um, I think it's to like trump up the sense of desperation that women are alleged to have. But men are pick me's too there is a comedian on the internet some of y'all might know him his name is drewski and a few weeks ago he came out with this skit that illustrates male pickmeism to a t when somebody is a pick in your sphere and whether or not their comments or their actions are directed towards you it's hella awkward it throws off the vibe and it makes it really clear where the pick priorities lie and that is one of self-interest and tearing down the people around them who are supposed to be friends. So when I broke it down like that and I tried to reflect as to whether or not this has ever been me, maybe I lack self-awareness, but I couldn't think of a time. <laughs> I couldn't think of a time where that was me. And this isn't to hype myself up. The point of story time is not to come out of it looking like the greatest person ever trust me i am not i have plenty of flaws as a friend but i could kind of confidently say that i've never sacrificed a friend for the affection of whomever i was attracted to on one hand i think that's not for me to decide the pygmy's actions are felt by their victims and maybe there are friends out there who have experienced me being a pick me. And listen, if you're one of those friends, write into the show. Let me know. I'll read the letter in the future. <laughs> don't text me. I want to read a letter. I want listener mail. But I had to kind of go deeper. It wasn't as simple as saying, like, I don't know her. I don't know that life. It's never been me. That That's not really doing the topic justice. So... I went a little bit deeper and I thought about, well, if you really believe that you have never been a pick me, there has to be a reason why. And this is where I got a little somewhere. So I come from a very long line of powerful and dynamic women. Just as an example, my great great grandmother was born to enslaved parents and before she was even married, she was a landowner. My grandmother was an owner of many businesses and a world traveler and a true pillar of her community. And my mother was one of those people, you know, in those like, um, in those true crime shows where they say that she has a smile that lights up the room, like knock on wood, not wishing anything on my mother, but she really does have a smile that lights up the room. She's dynamic and has an entrepreneurial spirit. And coming from a line of hyperdynamic women, I've watched as they and other women in my family dealt with partners who at best were emotionally neglectful and at worst embarrassed them out in these streets many times. And you know, I think. Oftentimes, it's easy to wonder why they didn't leave or whatever. But history tells us that society wasn't kind to divorced women in the past. And a lot of people have a vision of what their life should look like. And it includes a partner through marriage. And it doesn't include divorce or separation. So during their trials and the trials of my other family members. I witnessed from the time that I was young that the people who got my family members through the conflicts with their partners were their friends. Like, that's who they would call. There would be the neighbor, the homegirl who would come through with a meal, the homegirl who they would spend hours with on the phone, just processing whatever happened to them. So it gave me two really clear messages. Number one, it didn't really seem like a good setup to prioritize a man and number two the real jackpot in relationships was with your friends so when i got to the point where i actually made friends because growing up i didn't feel like i would ever have a community of like-minded people like i would ever be a part of a friend group And to my pleasant surprise, and through intentional work, I was able to form this really strong community of people who continue to lift me up. And when that happened, it was like, in my mind, I need to protect this at all costs. So if there is somebody who I would link up with, get into a relationship with, be infatuated with, they had to pass the friendship test are you low key homophobic? Are you racist towards certain groups of people? Are you misogynistic? Like these are the things that I needed to know just so I could maintain harmony with my primary <laughs> relationships, which were my friends. But I have been a victim of a couple of pick and there are three significant relationships I've had in my adulthood that have ended due to somebody choosing a partner over me. Somebody choosing to engage with somebody who has a history of philandering, sexual assault, abuse. (laughs) And when that's brought to their attention, they choose that partnership. And for a really long time, I was hurt. You know, anybody who's lost a friend, a good friend, knows the kind of dull persistent ache that happens in the aftermath of that relationship ending and it wasn't like i was just hurt that this person was no longer in my life i was low-key angry because i felt really wronged like why couldn't they see that this person isn't for them. Even though that anger has dissipated, the feeling of victimization was a lot more present than I've been able to admit to myself. But through my conversation with my guest today, I was able to see their actions from a completely different angle one that didn't center me, one that wasn't a direct attack on our friendship, but rather preservation of a relationship that held priority in their life. And so As I look back on these friendships, not only do I look back on them fondly, but I look back on them with just a deeper sense of empathy than I ever had. So with that being said, please welcome my guest, Naomi. We have a very special guest with us today, Naomi. Hey girl, what's going on? Give us a little introduction.
0: So as he said, hi, I'm Naomi. I'm a makeup
1: artist in New York City. I was born
0: with a bilateral cleft lip and palette. I identify with
1: she-they pronouns. Yeah, that's just me. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. Next question is, what kind of people do you usually date? Who do you usually go for?
0: Uh, I date, well, I call myself an equal opportunity lover. So I I go by personality more than gender.
1: Love to hear it. The more options, the better. So for the next part, I ask every guest to give us a little story of a dating mishap when you went on a date and you were just wondering, what the hell am I doing here? What happened? It could be funny. It could be sad. It could be anything you want it to be. Do you have anything to share? Oh, so...
0: I went out with this guy. He was, like, a big videographer on, like, YouTube. I met him on, like, dating app. And he comes to my side of Brooklyn. He He's dressed like a schlup. Like, he's wearing, like, swim trunks and, like, Adidas slides. I'm like, um, sir, this is a date. Like, what, what are you? He's like, well, your belt doesn't match your shirt. So and I'm funny. like, okay. Freaking Anna Wintour, like, relax. relax. Throughout the whole day, like it's not going well, but I'm trained to be so nice that I don't get up and leave and be like, "Thank you for your time." I don't see this going anywhere, so I I had to stick it through because I'm a dum dum. You've
1: been there, sis. Don't be hard on yourself.
0: Yes, like the whole time he was trying to touch me, and I was like, I don't really like that on the first date. Like I don't. It makes me uncomfortable. But he still kept inching closer, and I was like, oh, fuck. So I, like, texted my mom. I was like, yo, Susan, pull up. Like, this is where I'm at. Give me, call me, give me an excuse. But she had to drive over there. So I was, like, waiting on it. So we're walking back, and I'm, like, in the clear. I'm so close to being done. He's talking about literally everything and nothing all at once. (laughs) Like, they're, they're talking so much, but they're not saying anything crazy crazy
1: the real crazy part is he probably thought that date went so well he just talked about himself the entire time absolutely
0: and like half the date was him saying like all the future dates he's going to take me to and i'm like (laughs) oh yeah like okay in your dreams okay and i live right by uh a marina so there's like boats and there's like docks and he goes he's like you hear that I'm like, hear what? And he puts his finger to my lips. He says, shh. Can I have this dance? And I'm like, there is no music. There is nothing. I am in a neighborhood with people I know. Like, I've run into people already on this date. I am like, please please don't make me do this. He's like, just go with it. Just go with it. So he forced me to slow dance with him in public midday no music
1: so i'm in shock you mean to tell me this man put his dirty (laughs) hands on your lips (laughs) and made this whole display are you kidding me that is the definition of delusional that is sick (laughs) it was
0: it was so bad it was so bad and like I couldn't get out of it, and he was like really short. Like that—that that was another thing. He was shorter than his profile said he was. So he was about like my height. I'm about like five one. So the short king like dips me and into a kiss, and I—I I can't get out of it because if I like go push my head back and try to avoid it, I'm in the concrete, bud. So I'm just like giving this man like dead fish mouth, and
1: oh. oh.
0: Oh, it was so bad. I, I just need to say it because it was so bad. Thanks for letting me go on that, like, tangent.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm happy you shared it. Get it out. That is traumatic. And I sorry you <laughs> went through that. No, it's okay. Um, And <laughs> it's the pitfalls of dating, you know? Sometimes you meet oh, know, right? people who... Ooh. Are just absolutely unhinged so yeah <laughs> thanks for sharing. So meeting you really opened my eyes to what a cleft lip is and how much it could impact your life. Um, I had a very shallow knowledge before and if there are people like me out there who don't know much could you just give us some more information as to what it is?
0: So it is a condition where there's a malformation of the lip, the nose, and the roof of your mouth, which is your palate. Um, I had a very wide cleft, so I've had quite a few surgeries to patch it up. I was born looking quite different because of that. I've had about 20 surgeries for it. So I always have stood out in a way, but with age, I've learned to just kind of accept it and love it as it is. So I have a lot of like
1: scarring. So just a little backstory for the audience. I met Naomi through her makeup work. I found her Instagram and was just so impressed at all of the different looks that not only she did on herself, but her campaigns for magazines, all of it. And the girl can beat the hell out of a face. And I was lucky enough <laughs> to have her do my makeup. And I'm wondering like, what drew you to makeup? And what inspires you to put yourself at the forefront?
0: So growing up, I never really saw anyone that looked like me. I was picked on quite a bit and made to feel less than other. I heard the word ugly so many times. And, you know, not having someone I could see that looks like me, that represents me, was really hurtful. And it played into my insecurities. And I don't want kids younger than me experiencing that because I don't think anyone deserves to feel that way. I think everyone deserves to feel beautiful and represented and like they have a community of people that understand. So I do a lot of volunteer work trying to foster that. I do talks at schools with this organization called My Face. I am using my craft, so I also do photography as well. So I started the project called Don't Stare See Me. I want to show the world that we can be anything we set our minds to. My last photo shoot, I did more like beauty shots, up close to give people like an opportunity like the title. Don't stare. Just see the person, see the little intricacies of how they look and who they are, but in a positive way rather than gawking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I just wanted to let people know that they don't have to hide themselves because I know, like, growing up, I was super anxious about taking pictures, and I know a lot of people within my community tend to be very shy We experience that sometimes it's easier to blend in with people or to like fade into the background rather than speak up considering, you know, we already look so different. I have a voice, I'm gonna use it and I want everyone to feel that way.
1: So it's another week and no sponsors, but surprise, surprise. I still have something to talk about. So the other day, I find myself in a hotel bathroom, and I'm trying to talk to the attendant. And this attendant signals to me that they're deaf. And in this moment, like a few others where I've come across this scenario, I realize that for all of the noise that I make around my social circle being so diverse and so inclusive, it really isn't. I'm not in close community with anybody who has major physical disabilities or has craniofacial differences. And that's something that I need to be honest with in myself. The first step to that is just gaining information, gaining the information as to some of the obstacles that these communities face and how I can be a better ally. Our guest today mentions a great organization that they're involved with by the name of MyFace. MyFace is an organization That addresses the needs of individuals and families impacted by facial differences. They provide support groups, care kits for newborns with craniofacial differences. They have a podcast, a camp for young children, scholarship opportunities. It just has a wealth of information. And they also accept donations. But if you're not in a place to donate to MyFace, it's worth checking out just so you can get educated on some of the challenges that different communities face, communities that you may not have much contact with, communities that are easy to overlook because they're not taking up much space in the news cycle. I think that we can be lulled into thinking that we're more progressive and inclusive than we really are. I know that I'm guilty of this. But when you realize that, as I always say, be curious, look for opportunities to learn and educate yourself. And myface.org is the perfect tool to do so. So I'll leave their link in the bio. Check it out if you're curious, check it out if you want to donate. And let's get back to the interview. There are studies that say that children who require heavy medical intervention or surgeries or treatment, that the experience kind of impacts the way that they perceive themselves um, just going later on into life. Is that something that you have any experience with?
0: So it definitely has impacted how I've carried myself. I think I've learned, I've had to learn a lot of major lessons early in life. I think I've always been someone who has craved connection on a deeper level with people because I don't really enjoy surface level friendships or conversations. I don't think it's just not worth my time. I I I know that sounds kind of harsh. You know, like when you're, judge for a large portion of your life based on how you look and you just want people to see who you are inside I mostly focus on who someone is and I want to get to know them and who they really are versus how they like to portray themselves to be likable but going off that I feel like a lot of my life I have tried to be the most likable I've tried to be the cool girl that didn 't have needs that didn 't have boundaries because i didn 't quite understand that, and I would get involved with people that would really abuse that that i didn't have boundaries that I wanted to be likable, that I wanted to be cool and a part of them i've had to really build my self esteem growing up and I feel like something I've noticed within my early 20s is that I derived a lot of self-esteem through academics. Like, I've always been someone who had to be, like, the best. I had to be the best in school and have the best grades, but I also had to be the most likable. If I could get, like, attention from someone I really liked, I felt that was, like, amazing. Like, I felt like I had to earn everything to compensate for this, like, lack of or avoid void that I thought I had to fill. I don't think that's the case anymore. I've learned more about myself. I've learned more about what I am capable of and who I am on the inside. And that, you know, not everyone is like me. I think a lot of what I've had to learn is that not everyone feels as like deeply as I do because a lot of people haven't had to do so much like major self-realization and awareness that I had to learn, like walking in the world as someone labeled as like other or different. So they weren't capable of meeting me where I was at. So I used to be, I called myself Captain save because I would want to fix people, but I had to learn you can't like fix someone. You kind of have to walk away and allow them, like, the space and time to delve into their own issues, because, like, I'm not a superhero. I can't fix you. You know, you're a person with so many intricacies, and I can't go into your head and do all the mental processing. You have to do
1: it yourself. That's such a hard place to come to, but it is such a necessary place to arrive at in your, like, relational life in terms of maturing. It's just realizing that everybody or that other person is on a journey as well and there's really only so much that you can do
0: exactly like not every time like a relationship ends and like you've given everything most of the time it has nothing to do with you even if you go on a date and you're like you think it goes really well and the other person just like isn't about it Sometimes it has nothing to do with you. I've gone out with people. Like I remember one time I went out with this guy and I was like so infatuated with him. I thought he was so perfect. And we went on several dates. We had a really good time. I loved where it was going. And all of a sudden it ended. And he was like, oh, I think we should be friends. And me not being true to myself and my actual feelings, it's like, okay, let, let's be friends, like, like, which is incredibly disingenuous. So I would go out of my way to be this person's friend and prove how like, worthy I am and how great I am. Like We would have like hour-long phone calls, and I remember like one time, like, after like, a couple weeks or a couple months, I was like, I really have a crush on you. And he's like, I have a crush on you too, but I don't want to be with you. So it, it goes to show you, like, it has Ugh, nothing to do with you. It, it was crazy. Oh, I'm just getting flashbacks like I was in
1: Vietnam. So earlier on in our chat, you touched on the fact that in your childhood, in your adolescence, you really sought the approval of other people. And I see some kind of connection because before we even started to record, maybe um, one of our earlier conversations you mentioned, a you, big confession, that you had a past as a pick-me. What could be defined as a pick-me. And there's a lot of conversation about pick-me's and people's dislike for them. But I've never been in conversation with somebody who's willing to admit <laughs> that they had a past as a pick-me. Could you give us some insight as to what that looked like and how you kind of came to the point where you didn't even want to behave like that anymore?
0: So, like like I said like earlier in the conversation, I thought the way to attract people into my life was not having any boundaries and being the cool girl and being like, I'm not like the other girls. Meanwhile, I was not like the other girls cuz i was worse and i look back and it, it was like so embarrassing the way i would go out of my way to be like one of the guys cuz i thought that was the, the way to go about it or like i don't know i just neglected all of my own needs and my own self-respect to be cool and likable and part of the guys gang Um, unfortunately, you know, like I said, like, internalized patriarchy, I put other women down because I thought all things, like, girly and feminine weren't good or, you know, worthy of respect. And not to say I was ever, like, super awful to women. Like, it was more like very small things, but still very embarrassing things. And... There, there were moments where I, I really wasn't a good friend. I look back, and I would tell, like, my friend, I was like, oh, go talk to this person. And then I would get super close to this person and be, like, super cool and fun, like, besties, and eh, like, you know what I'm saying? And it was, like, a power move. And I think it was because before I kind of, like, hit puberty and people started to, like, actually take interest in me, any time I ever expressed interest in someone, I was laughed at. I was, ew, like, you're so ugly. Ew. So, yeah, I was looking for validation, and I was looking for it in all the wrong places. And let me tell you. Being a pick me and being a girl with no boundaries or being like the cool girl isn't going to get you anywhere. You're not going to forge genuine relationships and I promise you the people that you actually want to be with be like I like you and I would love to date someone like you, but I don't want to date you. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Like it's just not going to work out for you. It's not worth it. And I I I, I did a lot of self introspection during COVID. So I walked into COVID being like 20 years old, and I left it like emotionally 42. I've been through so much like introspection. And I think when I did that work, and I started learning more about myself and my worth, and the things I was doing that I felt so much like shame about, I realized really wasn't who I was or who I wanted to be, but really a result of my environment. And only then was I able to deepen my relationships and meet someone worthy of my love and devotion. And I that was such a major learning experience for me because, you know, being in those like unhealthy relationships, I think you get used to like chemically the highs and lows and how drastic they are and so you i was used to like i said the highs and lows of this roller coaster and the highs would be so incredible you would feel like you're flying and then the lows are like i want to die <laughs> um and then walking into like a healthy relationship i felt so confused i felt like it was boring at first I had this gut instinct to run and avoid because I was like afraid of getting like attached. I was used to inconsistency and people leaving and all that. So, you no, know, it required a lot of communication on my part to say like, "Hey, this is how I'm feeling. It has absolutely nothing to do with you." But when you have someone that like actually loves you and is healthy and wants to make things work with you, they'll be like, I understand. That's okay. And they'll reassure you. And I have been able to communicate like my needs. Finally, I was like, I have needs. I have desires. I have boundaries. I have things I want to talk about. I have things I don't want to talk about. I expect certain things out of a relationship. And My partner understands my needs, I tell him, and even if he doesn't understand, he accepts it, and he tries to understand, and he goes out of his way to try to understand how I feel, and I think that's really important.
1: Honestly, I think that's the most important thing, and I think that That's one of the most important lessons to learn. Just somebody who is willing to be open to communication, somebody who has the grasp of their own emotions to communicate with you. That's a tough lesson, but it sounds like you're there. So congratulations, girl. Right now, we're going to wrap this thing up. Again, thank you so much for being so transparent and being here with me. But before we go, I like to give all my guests the final parting words. Do you have any advice? Do you have any last nuggets of wisdom that you want to impart upon the audience? Maybe somebody who's going through similar struggles that you went through. What do you want to let them know?
0: Thank you. I don't think we'll ever, like, as people, I don't think we'll ever find someone that is perfect and knows exactly what we feel and experience everything. And you don't have to be with someone that shares your trauma. Be with someone who goes out of their way to try to understand and listens and communicates. And I promise all your relationships will be so much better. <laughs> and until you find that person that respects you and communicates with you and treats you the way you deserve, be that person for yourself. Be kind to yourself do nice things for yourself, go on solo dates, treat yourself, you know, life is short, enjoy it. People are going to be way more attracted to you, whether it be friends or potential partners, when you are self-aware, when you love yourself, and when you're trying to be the best
1: person you can possibly be. Very fundamental and beautiful, extremely wise words. So before we go, let the people know where they can find you and your work.
0: Thank you. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Naomi Heather Makeup. And you can check out my website where you can book me at Naomi Hadar, N-A-O-M-I-H-A-D-A-R.com.
1: And just so the audience knows, I have experienced Naomi's artistry, her vibes, in the workplace she (laughs) has immaculate vibes so if you have a shoot a project you. you know whatever you have coming up or if you're in new york book her if you're not in new york fly her out you know she'll she's worth it first class all right there you have it another week another episode first and foremost Thank you so much to my guest, Naomi. I really appreciate your willingness to sit down with me and to divulge some of the aspects of your sorted past. <laughs> no, but for real, thank you so much. Make sure you check out Naomi's work, hit her up on socials. And last but not least, thank you to you, those of you in the audience, those of you listening. You know, we have a little cozy community of people who have subscribed And in these next coming weeks, I have some really great topics and really great conversations coming up, topics which truly hit home for me. So I'm excited to bring those to you. If you have a topic or an aspect of intimacy, dating, sexuality, relationships, the way we all relate, that you don't think is on my radar or that you would like to see highlighted, Feel free to hit me up on socials. I am at I shave my ass for this across platforms, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and who knows? You might hear your topic in a future episode. And with that, I will see you all back here same time next week. But until then, be kind, be safe, and be you.